everyone. Welcome to Inside and Beyond podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Fomichenko. Today, we are going to talk about dreams. This is a super exciting topic for me because I love everything mystical, especially when it can provide us with insights about our lives. And my guest today is Megan Mary, who is a dream worker specializing in dream analysis. She's the founder of the Women's Dream Enlightenment podcast. Megan, thank you so much for coming. Hi, Natalia. Thanks for having me. The topic today is super exciting. We are going to talk about dreams and how to analyze them. And first of all, I would be curious to ask you what led you to this journey of becoming a dream analyst? Yes. Well, it was a long journey, I would say, but it started when I was a child and I really was just fascinated about anything that was outside of the normal realm, anything that people might consider mysterious or um, unusual. I was I really loved Halloween and that was partly because it was the only day of the year that everybody really acknowledged that spirits were around us and we actually had an opportunity to believe in that. And I just wanted that every day of the year because I really felt like there was more than I was being told. And I had recurring dreams when I was little, some nightmares, some really fantastical flying dreams. And I always wanted to know what they meant. I was always really fascinated by them. And so I used to look up in dream dictionaries and things like that, trying to decipher what the, what they meant. And, you know, once I got to college, I really delved into all the different things that could be learned from psychology to philosophy, to theory, to metaphysics, to astronomy, to everything. And eventually as an adult, I kind of um, stopped listening to them. Really. I, put that aside and went on my way and did my career. And, and then at uh, some point I, I got really sick and I ended up having a whole bunch of chronic illnesses uh, all at once. And it really led me to what I call a, a spiritual awakening, but it really was more of a spiritual remembering because it really led me back to remembering where I was, the connection that I had and wanting to get that back. And so as part of my healing journey, I was uh, it was recommended that I meditate daily. And doing that mm-hmm. really opened the doorway. And I started listening to my dreams again, and they started sending me messages. And I started really uh, embarking on that much more enlightened path. And when I found that again, I just wanted to share it with everyone and and realize that that was really my alignment at this time was to spread the word to other women and help them understand what their dreams mean as well. Wow, this is so inspirational. And uh, on one hand, I want to say I'm so sorry for all the illnesses that you had to experience. But on another hand, it almost looks like a blessing in disguise. Yes. And uh, I can relate a lot to what you were saying about being fascinated with mystical things from the childhood. I was also like that. I also loved anything magical, 
for me, I guess I'm from Russia originally, so we don't really have Halloween. So for me, it was Christmas time when, you know, somehow presents magically appeared under the Christmas tree and, um, you know, all the fairy tales related to, to the magical stuff as well. And, um, I was also the one looking up the meaning of the dreams, uh, in the dictionary and then online, um, until I realized that sometimes, you know, you can get completely like two completely contradicting meanings. So I quit this. So I am really genuinely very excited about you having delved deep into this topic and uh, giving some insights on what actually dream might mean. So before we talk about the meaning of dreams and, and the process of their interpretation, why do we need dream analysis at all? What things can dreams tell us and what are the benefits of analyzing them? Yes. So when we look at the way that we exist in the world, we really only are experiencing 5% of our, of our mind. 5% is the waking, is the conscious. 95% is the subconscious. And so we don't understand that the perspective and the lens that we live our lives through is informed by the majority of our brain we're not in touch with. And when we dream, that is our subconscious entirely. And so we spend a lot of our lives sleeping and we all dream probably five to six dreams a night, whether we remember them or not. And our dreams are really a puzzle that's put together into a little story that's comprised entirely of everything that's ever been stored in our subconscious. So being a lover mm -hmm. of story and being a, a natural, intuitive, and analyst, I really just was fascinated by everybody's individual story and the fact that that story is told in your dream language. Not, It's not a universal language as some people think that it's actually based in your subconscious and it's really individual to you so that meaning is individual to you interesting so how then do you derive this meaning yes. for people you work with yes yeah, so i have a method that i developed over all of my research and all of my all the time that I spent analyzing all the other ways that are out there to do it. And what I came up with is what's called the dream mirror method. And it's four steps and it arrives you at the meaning at the end. Uh, I'll tell you the four steps and then I'll, I'll walk you through them. Yeah. So it's memory, mood, mirror, and metaphor. And they're mm -hmm. M, so they're easy to remember. And the first yeah. one is memory. So it's basically just remembering your dream, which for some people is, is difficult. That's a difficult first step. And mm -hmm. so there are tips on dream recall and there are techniques you can use. But the most important thing is just to start keeping a dream journal. Start trying to remember your dreams. Intention and motivation and dedication go a long way when it comes to that. And one of the most important mm -hmm. things is that when you... Uh, wake up first thing in the morning to record them. Because when you first wake up and when you first go to sleep, you're in a specific brainwave that can access yep. and kind of serve as that in-between spot. And by the time you're up 
for more than five minutes, you're going to forget more than 50% of your dream. And then by the time you actually get out of bed, it, it may be gone. So it's important to try mm-hmm. to capture them and and then all the specific things that we'll we'll talk about that we want to capture. Mm-hmm. So step two is mood. And that's where we give a lot of prominence mm-hmm. to the emotions. So it's good to record the emotions that you experience both before, during, and after the dream. So when you go to sleep, how was your day? Did you go to sleep feeling positive or negative? What happened? And then in the dream, what were the emotions that you experienced? And there may be multiple ones because the scenes may have changed. And then when you woke up, what was the emotion that you had based on that dream that you mm-hmm. experienced? So the third step is mirror. And that's where we start to look at all the really different little pieces in the dream. So we look at the people, the places, the situations, the actions, the the landscape, the setting. And also if there's colors present, colors, numbers, other Mm -hmm. messages, words, all, all those things. And we look at how those things are a mirror for your waking life. So through a series of questions that I ask you, I draw out the associations that you may be holding, but you're not saying, or you didn't record until you're asked. And then you'd say, oh, well, yes, it was this, Mm -hmm. but you might not say that you might just simplify. And I also ask in the, in the first step for people to give their dream a title. Mm -hmm. So if you had to title it, like it was a little story, what what would you title Mm it? And so the mirror is really the step where I put the onus back on the dreamer. And I don't uh, say, well, the book says that a snake is this or an owl is that. I try to really say, well, what what is the snake to you? Mm. Did you have a pet snake or do you, are you terrified mm-hmm. of snakes? Uh, what is your experience with it? What does it remind you of? You know, you were at a maybe it reminds you of being in a cabin when you were a child yeah. or there's so many things that matter to you that aren't going to be someone else's story. I see. So it's very individual. Uh, yeah. And what is the last step? Yes. And then the, the last step is metaphor. Mm-hmm. And that's where we look at the dream overall as a metaphor for something that you are experiencing in your waking life. How is what happened in the dream a metaphor Mm. on itself? And so when you put those four things together, then you arrive at the meaning. That's interesting. I want to do something very brave here, um, but also very fun. I had this dream uh, that has been occurring to me every once in a while. And normally it doesn't happen to me that I have a recurring dream. Well, some certain settings change, but the, you know, the concept is the same. So I wanted to share with you this dream and see life, because I know that you don't know about this dream, uh, what you can possibly tell me about its meaning. So the dreams is very weird, um, but it's the following. So essentially in a dream, I get pregnant. I don't have children. I don't have family. So that's some context. I get pregnant. And then after some short period of time, I realized that, yes, I have a child, but then my life continues and I 
catch myself on the feeling that I completely forgot about the child. And then there is a lot of anxiety and rush. Oh my God, where is my child? I forgot to feed him or her. I don't even know the gender of the child. So I rush to this child to look like whether, you know, whether it's still alive, you know? Um, and then uh, in some instances, I, I find him or her. Uh, but then again, I forget about them or I find that, you know, they either disappeared or they died in a way, but it's not like a nightmare death. It is just like I was late. I was too late. So that's the, the dream in a nutshell. What can you tell me about it? Well, some of the things that I would ask you about that are just in general, if pretend that I don't know what a baby is mm -hmm. what is uh, what is what is a baby for me generally or in terms of concept or for you in terms of concept yeah i guess it's a responsibility and i guess it's something that i want to have in my life at some point but right now there is no time and space for it if i put it this way yes and the What's the mood? The mood is anxious. Mm -hmm. And are there particular settings or people or actions involved? Well, that we yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't remember for sure, but there's like, there's a whole life happening to me. So I'm either with my friends or with, you know, people I know. I don't really recall a father figure to my child. <laughs> uh, so it's normally me on my own, just living my life with people who I know, different people in, in different versions of this dream. Mm -hmm. So when we have recurring dreams, as well as nightmares, but really the reason that we do is because we're not receiving the message that they're trying to send. They, as in the universe, our higher self, our subconscious, mm -hmm. That's trying to be sent. And so in this case, if the recurring theme is that you realize that you have this responsibility, but then you realize that you're not being responsible mm. and you panic and you're anxious, that is the recurring meaning of the dream. So it's a metaphor in your life for something that you're feeling you're not being fully taking the full ownership of something that you subconsciously feel that you need to take the lead and be responsible about something, but that you realize you're not fully stepping into that role. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That might be true. In fact, as I'm thinking about it, that might be the case indeed. Wow. That was super powerful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And it, it was also interesting to know that you look for certain, you know, imagery, numbers, um, anything that give a person a meaning in one way or another. So I guess it can be somehow related to the archetypal work of Jung, for instance, or, or do you even like, do you use his work in, in your interpretations? I appreciate what he contributed. And I think that maybe the only part of that is 
the symbolism aspect mm-hmm. and perhaps the associate personal association emphasis. But the color theory that I integrate is actually from Robert Haas. Mm. And that's that's the one that I like to use when I look at the colors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I integrate a lot of different uh, dream researchers and what they've contributed, what resonates with me, what I think makes most sense. Mm-hmm. And I like to, it's kind of my own little recipe yeah. of all the different ones that I've studied that I said, well, I don't really, that doesn't really resonate with me, um, but this does. And so I'm going to take all the different aspects and combine them into something Mm -hmm. that really feels in alignment for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you use the concept of synchronicity in your work? I'm asking this question because I had a few guests on synchronicity topic and those conversations were fascinating. So I'm curious about you. I am huge, huge advocate of synchronicities. I feel like they are the guidepost to the way that we are guided through uh, when we are in alignment, just like deja vu. Some people have asked me about that recently as well. And I feel like they both work in the same way that if you're in alignment and you're really paying attention and you're, you're open, that you start seeing synchronicities everywhere. And that that is really a indication that you're on the right Mm -hmm. track, that you're being guided, that you're being supported, that you're being helped. And to f- the more you follow that, the more they happen and the more it reflexively feels like, oh, yes, yes. well, I, I kind of thought that I was supposed to do that. There was a reason that that and this and yeah. Yeah, that happens to me too. That's happened to me too. Uh, that's that's super mm-hmm. interesting how synchronicities can guide somehow our life. You mentioned deja vu. Do you think when we have this deja vu feeling, it is related to us feeling the same way in a dream or maybe I've heard some interpretations of past lives or, or anything else. What's your mm-hmm. view on that? It's interesting because the, the last person that I spoke with actually was having deja vu in her dream, which is a whole oh, other wow. level. <laughs> but conception. I think when, <laughs> yeah, when I have deja vu in waking life, I usually get quite excited and say, oh, that's a good sign because I feel like that's an indication that I'm on the right track. Now, perhaps it, perhaps it is a replay of, you know, because perhaps you, you have been reincarnating, you're living the same life over again to see if the outcome is going to be different. And, you know, maybe, maybe that would be a different way to look at it. But then I know you've talked about quantum physics on your podcast quite a bit. And I really believe in the interdimensionality of mm-hmm. things and the possibility that time is, is just an illusion and that there really are multiple timelines existing at the same time and other dimensions that are happening that we can access. And so I think it's one of those, you know, it's symbols, uh, one of those, I said guidepost earlier, and I like that, so I'm going to stick with that, uh, 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 to tell us that we really are tuning in. Whatever it is, it is appearing in our awareness, and I guess it's important to pay attention in one way or another and see how it unfolds for you. We touched on nightmares a little bit. How do you improve nightmares for 
those people who may suffer from, from them. So nightmares are really obviously the peak of the emotional experience when it comes to dreams. And part of the reason is because the logical part of our brain is turned off when we sleep, but the emotional portion of it is fully active mm -hmm. and perceives the dream as if it really happened in an emotional way, as you know. And so the, one of the ways that you can transform that experience is by analyzing the content of the dream. Mm -hmm. So trying to separate, okay, what are all these different things that are happening? What is the setting and the places and the people and the actions? And what is going on in the dream? And then is there a way that we can change this outcome? And so that can be done either through waking visualization, where you walk yourself through that dream scenario, but you imagine a different outcome mm. for it um, in a meditative state or something similar. Or you can also uh, utilize the advanced technique of lucid dreaming, where you actually manifest that dream again, realize that you're dreaming, and actively change the scenario, change the outcome, uh, create a situation where you actually empower yourself in that dream to have you be the successor, whatever, yeah. whatever the situation is that's happening to you, instead you're taking control of it. Interesting. So lucid dreaming, from what I know, is being able to actively take control in your dream. So you are dreaming, but it's not happening to you. You decide what's happening in a dream. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. And of course, you, you usually can't determine where you come in, where the dream starts, but then you, if you are able to attain the state of lucidity and realize that you are dreaming, then you can make decisions. Mm -hmm. And how do you train yourself to become a lucid dreamer? Is it something given to people or can be developed? Everyone can do it, it but it does require work. So it's just like mm -hmm. any muscle of concentration. Um, you do have to also have an open mind. So certain personalities who are really interested in the other side, mysterious things, will be much more open and able to attain that. But anyone can uh, do the techniques to train to do it. And so one of them really is just as simple as when you go to sleep, repeating to yourself over and over the affirmation that you are going to have a lucid dream. Mm -hmm. There are other techniques that involve mindful awareness in your waking life that translates to increased awareness in your dream life. So one of them is throughout the day doing a a reality check, basically. So saying to myself, am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? Am I awake? Am I, you know, and looking at your hands is a really good one for that. So mm. look at your hands during the day, throughout the day. The more you do that, you will start doing it in your dream. And I can attest that this worked for me. And I was so thrilled because I looked at my hands, looked at my hands, throughout the day. And then um, eventually one night I was dreaming. I looked down, I saw my hands and I had no rings on. And I thought, yes. Wow. <laughs> and I knew I'd made it. Wow. So, uh -huh. I mean, that's it, a really good one. It just takes time, you know, and, and then once you get to that state, you usually become excited, like I said, and then you wake up. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's another whole nother set of techniques to maintain that state of lucidity. 
um, but it can't be learned. Were you able to maintain it over time? I've gotten to a certain state of being able to say, okay, I'm here. Yeah. All right. Now I want this. Let's do that. You know, I'm really change things around. I had this one dream where there, I was just uh, writing, going through my dream record this morning in, in preparation for our call. And I thought, oh, I want to find some good examples. And I, I had mm -hmm. this one dream where uh, this woman was throwing these, like, I don't know, I call it a Chinese star in the, in the, but I don't know if that makes any sense. It was just like these metal, like weapon shaped like a star at me. Mm -hmm. And she kind of struck me with one and I realized I was dreaming and I grabbed all of the, uh, you know, weapons and uh, it was her and some other women. And I flipped them upside down and uh, made them all hold hands. Oh, wow. And so it, it, it really kind of, neutralize the, the whole scenario <laughs> so you literally turn aggression into you know sisterhood in some way right that says a right. lot about you and so that's <laughs> yeah that's really the power of that is that you can um many times uh people have been pursued in their dreams you know being chased is a very common dream especially for women and uh lucid dreaming you know, example after example of women who actually turned around and faced who was chasing them. And then it became something else or someone else mm -hmm. that was like, oh, hey, mm -hmm. and that it completely changed the situation that was occurring mm -hmm. and neutralized the threat, essentially. Yeah, that's super interesting. In one of my episodes with Tom Campbell, we were talking about dreams. Uh, Tom Campbell is a quantum physicist, and I was very curious to ask his opinion about dreams. And um, his concept is generally that we are on this earth to develop in terms of our level of consciousness. And by developing our values, we develop our level of consciousness. And this school continues in a dream as well. So recently I've been, and I'm a coach, so I work with clients a lot to help them essentially improve lives. And uh, I've been having those dreams of me going through difficult conversations or, or being out of my comfort zone. Like for instance, I didn't have a good relationship with conflict when I was a child. Now I don't have this problem anymore, but I almost feel like my dreams are testing me for the situations that would happen back then. And in my dream, I'm aware that I'm responding differently. So I'm literally, it almost feels like I'm rewriting my relationship with whatever you know, negative or uncomfortable experiences that I have. And um, I was back to the school concept. I was thinking, oh, maybe I'm growing <laughs> in one way or another, because now that, you know, I'm not, I'm not only able to demonstrate it consciously in my life and working with my clients, but also it seems like I can do it unconsciously as well, which was a big, like it, it felt like a big win for me. Yes, that's part of the whole transformative power of dreams, because when you can start to see that 
things are changing in your dreams or that you're changing things and or that it's reflecting changes in you, then that reflexively and synergistically affects your waking life. And then you're living in a, a different plane of existence. You're your being and your perspective is different. And then the more that evolves, the more your dreams then evolve to meet that and reflect that. And it really is the integration of the subconscious with the conscious is the whole point yep. of dream work. Yeah, that definitely felt like an integration. You mentioned that when we are just in between sleep and waking consciousness we have this special brain wave state which i assume is a theta brain wave state and this is when we are very suggestible and that's when normally hypnotic sessions would happen i started feeling also that when i am in this state i have more control over what's happening and uh, if i slip out of the dream i can put myself right back in, which never happened before, and I can remember dreams better. The question is, how do you further develop this state? Because it almost feels like an intuitive space. So it's somewhere between meditation and, 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 and dreaming in a way, because you, you're still aware that you're sleeping. So how do you develop this intuitive state more? And how do you improve dreams recall afterwards? Well, part of being mindful in, in waking life is really entering into the meditative state and starting to tune into your subconscious while you're waking is a very powerful practice. And the more you do that, you, the more you're going to be receptive to the messages coming from your subconscious in your waking life or in those in-between states or in your dream state. And so we really want to cultivate that. Now, there is something that's called dream manifestation or dream incubation, which is where you actually try to visualize a dream or proposed dream that you want to have. Mm -hmm. And you can write that down in your journal before you go to sleep. And you can focus on that. It, it's also really used a lot to be a catalyst for creativity. So if you're working on a novel, for example, which I'm doing right now, and you yeah. are working on it up until the time you go to sleep and you have a question that you want it answered, that you don't know what's going to happen next or how to resolve this issue in the plot, and then you go to sleep with that question in your mind, your dream can present answers to yeah. those questions. And so that's really a great way to utilize, um, Gail Delaney calls it the 24-hour mind. It's really a great way to start using the rest of your brain the rest of the time, right, mm -hmm. to your advantage. Funny fact is that that's the way how I came up with the name for my podcast, because <laughs> I didn't know how to name it. And I had certain concepts in my mind, but I just didn't know how to put it in words. So I was popping up these questions for a few nights in a row. And one morning I woke up with this name. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that's an excellent example right there. Yeah, exactly. And how do we improve the dream recall besides the obvious of, you know, having a journal next to ourselves right the moment we wake up um, to, to note down what's happening? Is there anything else? I find that the space between the moment you wake up and the moment you actually get to your journal 
is quite a long space and things can be lost in there. So I have a lot of techniques for that, that space where you can try to recall, hold on to things. So one of them, and the most important one that I do all the time is I call it thinking backwards. There's probably a better term for it, but it's basically similar to when you walk into a room and you say, what did I come in here for? What's I just going to do? Mm-hmm. I totally forgot. And you sit there and you try and think backwards. Yeah. Uh, you trace your steps. And it's that's essentially what you're doing. So because you're part of your brain perceived it as something that just happened, you can actually, when you wake up, think, who was I just talking to? Or what was I just doing? Mm. Where, where was I just, I was just trying to figure something out. What was that? And you think backwards. And as soon as you can get one little hit, one little tiny thing, oh yeah, I was in a library. And what else was I doing? And then the more you focus on that one thing, that one little kernel that you can remember, the more it'll start to come back and you'll remember it backwards. Mm. So many times when I write something down, I'll write the first thing I remember at the bottom of the page and then I'll go. And before that, I I was doing this. And then before that, this, and before that, this, you start to remember it backwards, but you can write it down from bottom top. So then you end up with the linear account. Um, Another thing is I, I pay attention to wordplay a lot. Uh, sometimes I use like memorization techniques uh, to remember things because I won't, can't remember the whole thing. So, for example, I had a dream one night. It was two different kind of parts. One of them was about a house under construction, but it was being, it's kind of being torn down. But it was because they were going to build an expansion on part of it. And then another part of the dream, there was a really bright tandem bicycle. And so I thought, okay, tandem tear down. And I just kept repeating those words to myself until I had enough energy to get up. And then when I got to my journal, I was like, okay, tandem. Okay. Yeah. That was a dream about the bike. Okay. Tear down. That was a dream about the house. And then I could start to write the rest of it, but you know, I needed to remember just the two words and hang on to them just so I could get to that point where I was going to make the account. Mm. So that can help too. Could you give us maybe for the last bit uh, of this episode, some particularly interesting examples of dreams, yours or your clients and the meaning that they had that somehow help them in their life transformation journey. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So the first one, I'll, I'll give you a little sneak peek into an episode that's going to be coming up on my podcast. It's going to be in October mm-hmm. and uh, it's the, it's a nightmare interpretation. And part of the dream uh, was that she saw all these people in her house and they were all going down to the basement And one of them was a woman she recognized. And so she said, I'm going to go down there and find out what's going on. And she went down there. And when she got down there, she thought, oh, something something bad is going on down here. And all these people are here for something. And I don't know what it is. But then she saw the woman that she recognized. And she thought, oh, I feel so much better that you're here. Knowing that you're here, I feel okay. And the basement, much like the closet, 
backstage, behind the curtain, in the shadow is really a metaphor for your shadow self, for your subconscious. It's where you hide things. It's where you put things that you don't want to use, mm-hmm. that you don't want people to see. Um, and so her going down into the basement to say, I'm going to go see what's going on down there really was her willingness to investigate her subconscious self and to do that deep dive into herself. And there was some fear involved there because she was not sure what was going to happen. She wasn't sure what she was going to uncover. She wasn't sure what other people were going to think of her when she found out things about herself. But then she sees this woman that makes her feel so much better. And that's really a reflection of her inner self because many times people in our dreams are just aspects of ourselves. And she finds herself in the basement and says, oh, I feel so much better that you're here. Mm. And so it really is an invitation to say that it's okay to step into your shadow and do that integration that we call shadow work. And that many times the nightmare is just calling on you to, to do that, to take that dive. Wow, that's super beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. The other example that I use is a short one of mine. And it is, I I woke up with this message. A lot of times I get messages right when I wake up and I'm in that state where Mm -hmm. it's just comes, you know, (laughs) I'll just hear things. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, thoughts. And it was, uh, take the string from your mitten that broke and fly a kite with it. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so I wrote it down and I did did my analysis. I applied the method to it and I thought, okay, well, first off, what's the mood? And I felt really optimistic when I, when I woke up, like there was possibilities coming. And so then let's look at the symbols. Well, what's a string? And for me, when I asked myself that, strings connect things. Okay, what's a mitten? And to me, mittens are something a child would wear. They're not really something that adults wear. They they have them, but I don't really wear mittens. Mm -hmm. And so I associate it with something I used to have as a child, especially the kind that are attached with the string. Mm -hmm. And um, so I thought, okay, well, what does a mitten do? Uh, And a mitten keeps the cold out keeps the warmth in. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then I looked at the symbol of the kite and I said, well, what is it? What's a kite for? And again, that's kind of something that is reminiscent of childhood. You do it as a pastime. It's for fun. It doesn't really have a specific function, but when you're able to get your kite up and flying in the air, you, you feel excited <laughs> and it's beautiful and it's flying in the air and it's in the flow right and so i thought okay um you know if i put all these things together and the title i had given it was set sail mm-hmm. so i really could see that it was a metaphor for me to reconnect with the feeling that i had about things that were magical and spirits in the in the universe and all those types of things reconnect to that feeling that gave me warmth as a child that i felt comforted by and 
make that make that connection and allow myself to then set sail to get into the flow to be picked up by the wind to embrace the opportunities that were coming for me if i were to embark on that journey which i then did wow which so that's how was, i'm here so that was exactly before you started doing work on dream yes. analysis wow that's incredibly yes. beautiful Wow, a lot to think about. Thank you so much for sharing the stories. Those are so yes. inspirational and beautiful. Wow. Well, Megan, it was so nice to have you here. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners? And if there's any specific information, I can put it to my show notes. Yes, absolutely. So I've put together a simple online course that's self-paced that women can do that will help them just follow the steps of my method. And uh, I'll provide you the link for that mm -hmm. so that people can check it out and just start exercising those techniques for themselves because that's really my mission. And I also am, of course, available for virtual dream sessions, as well as dream journeys, which are series of sessions. Mm -hmm. And those can focus on just um, your creativity, lucid dreaming, recurring dreams, nightmares, uh, transitions in your life, anything that is coming up in your dreams that you want to understand and integrate. Thank you so much for all your work and best of Fabulous. luck on your journey. Thank you so much for having me, Natalia. I really appreciate it.